we trust for the lost to come in. Amen? So um, continue to pray for at least one person for their salvation. On that note, I want to share around something the Lord has laid on my heart for a while. I've been sharing that um, at other places. Um, but also for us here as a congregation, I'm so mindful of Jesus calling his first disciples. And after three years, Jesus sent them out to make more disciples. It was the pattern and purpose of Jesus' ministry is to make disciples and to send them out to make more disciples. And we are here today because we have responded to that call to follow Jesus. And as we read together in Matthew chapter 4 from verse 19, I want us to just meditate again on this call that God has called us with. And he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and they followed him. It's a very short portion of scripture, but it, it speaks a lot to our own hearts and to our own individual calling as God is calling us. And maybe you haven't heard that call before, but today God is calling you. I don't know who you are, but today God is calling you. Follow me. And he's not calling you because you are significant or equipped or able. Jesus called fishermen, common people. And they were willing to leave everything and follow him. Part of following Jesus is a deliberate process. But it also has a clear outcome. There's always something that we need to leave before we can follow Jesus. For all of us, that is self. We need to leave ourselves behind. In the sense that we are no longer in charge of our own lives. We lay down our right to decide, to lead, to do what we want to do. But we make Christ our King and our Lord. And, and we decide that we will now follow Him and, and not our own own desire, our own will, but, but his will. It's the first thing that we all need to leave behind is, is ourself. That's why Jesus said, if you want to come after me, you must deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. That's the first thing that we all need to leave behind. The second thing that we need to leave behind is our sin. We need to leave behind the desire of our sinful nature, the flesh. We need to let go of that, that, that desire to sin. We need to let go of sin. And then we need to let go of the love of the world. Because God has called us out of the world, into his glorious kingdom. And we have become citizens of heaven and no longer of earth. We are now strangers in this world, simply moving through. In 1 John 2, the word puts it this way. It says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, 
the lust of the eye and the pride of life is not of the Father, but of this world. And the world is passing away and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. We all have to leave that what used to drive and lead us in this world. The lust of the eyes and the lust of the flesh and the pride of life. We, we, we need to let go of that. That is what used to drive us. That is what we used to follow. And now God calls us to follow him and so we need to let that go. But there is also a clear reason to leave these things behind. And the reason we leave these things behind is because the love of the Father is not in it. It is where God is with his Son. And, and, and so we leave those things behind so that we can be with God. So that we can be with him. So that we can follow him and abide in his love. And when we follow someone to be with them, it is also to learn from them. And so we leave the world behind to follow Jesus, to be with him, but also to learn from him. Because his journey is truly that. It is a journey. Jesus is not just saying, come sit with me. He says, come follow me. In other words, Jesus is moving somewhere. And he calls us to move with him. Not just to be with him, but to, to move with him. To learn from him. To actually partake in his purpose and journey that he is on. And that brings us to the outcome of following Jesus. It's to make fishes of men. It's Jesus' journey. It's his mission. God is on a mission. And that is to save the lost. Jesus said, I've come to seek and save the lost. As Jesus called us, ordinary people, to be his disciples, he's also sending us out to make more disciples. It is the life cycle of a Christian. <laughs> First become a disciple, then make disciples. Jesus called his first disciples ordinary men. And after three years, he sent them out to make more disciples like them. That's the Great Commission. In Matthew 28, Jesus said, All authority in heaven and earth had been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of age. I am with you. I'm still with you. All authority in heaven and earth had been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples. A clear call, a clear purpose, and a clear mean to that purpose is to follow him. And as we are following him, we are partaking in his purpose, his journey, his destination. And that's what God has called all of us to. Jesus was once traveling with his disciples through Samaria. And on their way, as they were traveling through this place, Jesus got weary. His disciples saw that Jesus was getting weak from the journey. 
there was a well and there was some shade and they said, Lord, please sit here. There's a village down the hill. We'll go there and buy some food. And we all know the story. I mention it often. It's, it's that occasion that while Jesus was waiting for his disciples, a Sumerian woman came to draw some water. And this woman had an encounter with Jesus, with the Messiah. And Jesus revealed who he was to her in a very personal way. And she got saved. So radically saved, she left the pot and she went down to the village. And the whole town came to Jesus. One woman, rejected by a community, met Jesus and led the whole community to him. And in the meantime, while Jesus had this conversation with this woman, the disciples came back with the food that Jesus so clearly needed. But then they saw Jesus so excited and energized as, energized as he was speaking to this woman. And as she left, we take on the word from there. In the meantime, his disciples urged him saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food that you do not know of. My food is to do the will of my Father and to finish His work. Do you not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, look, lift up your eyes. Look at the fields. They are already white for harvest. As a matter of fact, it's an exclamation mark. <laughs> it says, look, look up. Look to me. Look at the harvest. They're already white. I had an encounter with one woman and look at this town. They're coming. Do you not say it's still four months? What sustained Jesus? What gave him the energy, what sustained him in life is to do the will of the Father and to finish his work. What is the will of the Father? What is, what is the work that Jesus was given to do? It's to seek and save the lost. There's something about doing the purpose of God that sustains us. Reminds me of what Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. There's something that sustains us in doing the will of God. And that will is to bring in the harvest, to see the lost saved. And then, then Jesus said something interesting as he was having an encounter with a lost soul that gave a life to him and, and brought in an entire town. He, he, he challenged his disciples and says, do you not say it's still four months? And then comes the harvest. Referring to a saying that's how long it takes after you have plowed the field, sown the seed, watered the seed, waited for the crop to grow until it's finally ripe for harvest, Jesus says, behold, I say to you, it's already white. If a wheat field is white, it means the harvest is so ripe that if you leave it any longer, it's going to froth. And Jesus said, you often think it's still time, it's going to take time before the harvest is ready. And sometimes we even ask God, Lord, we ask for revival. 
Well, what are we saying when we're asking for revival? Are we, are we perhaps saying, Lord, let the lost be ready to be saved? And Jesus said, behold, I say to you, they already won. I mean, I was just sitting at a well. And look at this old town is coming. We often see differently to how God sees things. Because we see differently and we perceive differently, we, we tend to act differently. Do you not say it's still four months? Versus Jesus saying, behold, I say to you, it's already white. That has, in one sense, to do with authority. Two weeks ago, I spoke about submission. Submitting to God, not just around the things that I agree with, around the things that I understand, around the things that I can see, but also to bow my knee and accept the things that I don't understand, that I don't see. Because God sees and God understands. And because He says, therefore, I submit to Him in faith, and I'm obedient, not just to the things that I agree with, but even the things I don't understand and I don't see. And God says, you say, but I say to you. You say four months and I say to you, it's already ready. Who are you going to follow? Matthew 28, Jesus speaks about this authority. It says, all authority in heaven and earth, on heaven and on earth, had been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of, of all nations. It is, it is a powerful commissioning. We have all been commissioned to go and make disciples. As a matter of fact, the Greek says, as you are going, make disciples. It means different things for different people. For some of us, it is as you are going about what you are doing as a plumber, as a technician, where you're at. For others, it might mean, no, I actually want you to go somewhere. But for all of us, it means to make disciples. In whichever way God chooses to use us. But this is what I believe God is saying to us here today. He says, lift up your eyes. Lift up your eyes. Sometimes we are so focused on what we are busy with. That we are so focused on what we are busy with. We do not see the harvest anymore. Because we are so busy with what God called us to or what God has given us. Our careers, our families, our, our, our reality that we are in. We are so busy with this that we are no longer looking beyond what we're busy with, beyond our own sphere of influence, our own interest. And God is saying to us, I believe, is to lift up your eyes. Look at me. Look at the fields again. Beyond what you're busy with, just look up and look around you. The harvest is ready. He says, look at the fields. Sometimes we are so focused on our own field, we do not notice the other fields around us. 
Then, of course, Jesus says, they're already white for harvest. Some of us think it's still going to take time before the harvest is ready. And Jesus says, no, the problem is not the harvest. <laughs> the harvest is plentiful. The laborers are few. In, in Matthew 9, Jesus says, Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages. It really struck me that Jesus went about all the cities and all the villages. He didn't just go to the big places. He didn't just go to Cape Town. He went to Teslardal. <laughs> and Elam. Genadedal. Diel. He went through all the cities and villages. Teaching in their synagogues. Preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion. Because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, The harvest is truly plentiful. But the laborers are few. Ask, pray the Lord of the harvest. To send out more laborers. Jesus moves with compassion because the people were like sheep having no shepherd, scattered and weary. And he could see that they were white for the harvest. But there was no shepherds. And then he said, he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Ask the Lord of the, the harvest to, to send out more laborers. I often ask myself, Lord, where shall we find these laborers? It's probably here. It's not out in the world. <laughs> it's in the church. Not where, where are these laborers? It's interesting the Greek word that's used for prayer or pray, ask. Depending which translation you read that word, pray the Lord of the harvest in Greek it's a word that's not normally used for prayer. It literally means to beg. He says to his disciples, after I've been to every city and every village, this harvest is ready. But the laborers are few. Beg the Lord of the harvest that he will send out more it really struck me because it, it 
it, it speaks to my heart. You know, when, when I'm thirsty, I'll take a drink. If, if, if I'm thirsty here, yesterday I was at Claymont doing encounter and my throat was dry. And you know, when your throat is dry, you struggle to speak. And um, somebody noticed. And I, I was so glad somebody brought me water because I was thirsty. If, if you're thirsty, you, you will ask for water if there isn't. But after three days without water, you won't be asking. You'll be begging. Please. Does somebody have some water? Something about a heart's attitude towards a need when we start to beg for something. We normally don't beg if we have. We beg if we don't. God says we must beg the Lord of the harvest to send out. We'll never beg for something if we don't desire it. And so it starts with our own hearts. And no matter where we're at in this journey with Jesus, as we, as we start to see who he is and where he is going and what he is busy with, that our hearts may change to become like his, that, that our desires will be his desires, and that we too will beg the Father for more laborers. Um, this year, Shofot, as a, as a church movement, is 30 years old. We celebrated our 30 years anniversary this year, and as you know, some of us went to convergence and it's amazing to reflect back on 30 years. I mean, I've been with Shofar since 95. Almost 30 years. And it is amazing to see how the church has grown and, and, and how God has used Shofar in Stellenbosch. And then our, our students started to go from that place all over the country. And, and we started to, to plant churches all over South Africa. We're more than 50 churches, shofar churches all over in the cities and in the small places, all over in, in cities and villages, we started to plant churches and, and then there was a season of about the first 10 years, it was just one congregation, we planted another in, in Tigerberg and then for that first 10 years it was just the two ministries, basically churches around students, we ministered to students and, and they all graduated and they they all were scattered. They were all scattered all over this country, almost like the early Christians who was just in Jerusalem. And only when the persecution started, they had to flee Jerusalem, that the gospel go into all the world. And, and so, so the members were scattered, and, and, and we started planting churches for 10 years. The next 10 years, there were, there were almost 40 churches planted. And then the last 10 years, very few churches were planted. And I just had such an impression on the Lord, on my heart, that, that, that it is a new season, a new decade for Shofar to plant again. As a matter of fact, Hermanus was planted in the same way 10 years ago. November, the first Sunday of November, we didn't make a big thing of it, but the first Sunday of November, 10 years ago, 
me and my wife were sent to plant the church. Here was 15 people in a house. That's how we started 10 years ago in a little village. I mean, I was given the opportunity to plant anywhere and, and there was an opportunity. There was 15 people in Port Elizabeth, my hometown. My parents lived there. I grew up there. It's a city. Ten years ago, Armanus was still seen as a retiring village. <laughs> and when we said we felt the Lord sent us here, they asked us, why Armanus? Well, now everybody wants to come to Armanus. It's no longer a retirement village. So we've been sending people for 30 years. I believe it's a new season. A new season to plant again, not, not for me and my wife. Uh, we, we've planted four times, and God has called us here for now. So we're not going anywhere. <laughs> but maybe you are. Maybe it's your turn. Maybe it's your turn to go. I'm not trying to get you out of the church. I just sense, I, 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 with great confidence, I go to other churches <laughs> and ask their members to go. But you are part of this flock. And for some of you, some, some God has called to this community, to this town, and you are here already. You're already here because this is where God wants you to be. For you, God is maybe just encouraging again this morning just to lift up your eyes. And to remember why you are here. But I know there's some of you here. I don't know who you are. But I know there's some of you God has called you to go. Not all are called to move and plant, to be sent out, but some are called to stay and to build this church and this community. But we are all called to be part of making disciples. So I want us to close our eyes for a moment. Our common focus and purpose, our common focus and purpose is to see the harvest come in. To make followers of Jesus. First, our purpose is to follow Jesus. Second, it's to make disciples. So as your eyes are closed, I want to ask you this question. And, and just to think on these things for a moment. What are you currently busy with? Why are you primarily here in this town? Is it to build a career? Is it to retire? Or perhaps God planted you here for something more than your career. Something more than your rest. 
Maybe you're here for a purpose. What are you called to? Are you called to stay? Or are you called to go? just want you to, to hear Jesus' words. The harvest is truly plentiful. Not only in Hermanus, but in all the villages, the towns, and the cities. But the laborers of you. I'm begging the Lord for more. Even if it must be from my church. To go. We are already laborers in this field. Here in this community. But for some, God is calling you to another. This is what I believe God is saying to us. Lift up your eyes from your own work and look at the fields. Then ask, pray, beg me for more laborers. We are all called to be that. Either here or somewhere else. You can open your eyes. Last year I, 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 I spoke to, to Craig. He's a, he's a lawyer in Claymont. He's married. He's got two kids. He, he responded to that call. And, and we prayed with him. We, we identified that call. And as most of you know, this year, we sent him. I mean, he was living in Claymont. I mean, we didn't send him away from Claymont. But, but we sent him to plant. And you know, today, it's nine, ten months later, there are already some Sundays, 80 people. In a little village called Claymont. I mean the very name says it all. <laughs> it's Claymont. He still works. He's still a tent maker. He still works full time. But he's building a church. He said, Lord, I'm willing. The church is growing. I mean, his wife is helping him. She's doing such a great job. We've employed her full time. But he's still working. <laughs> but You know, going is such a great adventure. I've done it four times. It's such an adventure to go with the Lord. Say, so Lord, wherever you 
you want me to go. Send me. Where God's heart is, whom shall I send? Who shall go for us? And the prophet took up his hand, sent me, Lord. We're moving into a new 10 years. It's a new decade for us here in Hermanus as a congregation. And this year we planted the first one. But I believe there are many more. You know, in, in Shofar we have, we have churches that was planted and, and their pastors moved on for various reasons. So we have churches that have no shepherds. We have Prince Albert, Graf Renet, Springbok, Windhoek. Sheep without shepherds. And then we've got villages. We've got Tesla's Dal, Pearly Beach, Gansby. We want desperate need for, for churches like us. We, we're not the church, but we bring something different. We don't have renewal churches. Jesus went through every city and village. Well, so can we. And so I want to make an appeal to you this morning. For some of you, you are called to be here. But it's not primarily to build your career or to retire. You know, God called Moses when he was 80. Joshua crossed the border with Caleb when they were 80. Who of you here are 80? Any 80 years old is here? So you're all young. Your life is not over. It's just beginning. Um, Johnny is 84. And if I'm not careful, they're going to start so far, Hermanus Noord. <laughs> Where are they going on? There's a list at the back. If you know you are called to go somewhere, you don't know where, you just, you know what I'm talking about. You know in your heart, God has called you to go somewhere, either to lead a plant or to be part of a team that goes with a leader to plant. If that is you and you are here today, there's a list at the back at the connect table. If you will put your name down there and your contact details. We would like to, to pray with you, to walk this journey with you, to equip you next year deliberately. Spend time with you to equip you to go. We're also going to spend time deliberately with those of you who are called to stay here and to build here the kingdom. But for today, those who want to go. Next year, for those who are staying. So I'm, I'm giving you like a month. 
then <laughs> those names were not on there, are you? You're not going anywhere. I don't know who you are, but the very fact that you are here today is because God has already called you. Are you willing to lift up your eyes and look at the fields again and be used by Him? Amen? Let us pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. Thank you for reminding us of the day that you first called us. When we were just busy with life. Literally, minding our own business. And you, you came to us where we were at. Busy with whatever it was, fishing or sitting under a tree. A tax collector behind the table. You said, Follow me. <laughs> Maybe you're here this morning, and while all the eyes are closed, you're minding your own business, but God is calling you today. He's not calling you somewhere, He's just calling you to follow Him. If that is you this morning and you want to respond to him, I'm going to say, God, I want to, I want to follow you. You can just raise your hand where you are. Just as all the eyes are closed. If that is you, just, just raise your hand. Lord, I want to thank you for those who are responding to you. This is why you came. You came to seek and save the lost. But more than that, you came to redeem us. You came to give us an inheritance, a future. You came to give us the kingdom. Lord, I want to thank you for those who are responding. You can drop your hands. Lord, I want to thank you, Lord, for, for seeing each and every heart and the desire, Lord, behind our tables and with the nets and the money and all the stuff that we're busy with. You're calling us afresh and new to look up and to follow you. And then for, for many of us that are here, we've become so distracted with what we're busy with. God is just calling us again. He's calling us again. He says, look up, my child. <laughs> There's a reason that you are here in this town. There is a reason I placed you here. And there's a reason that I keep you here. Are you willing to follow me again? Into the harvest. I will teach you. I will show you. I, I will equip you. I will empower you. If you are only willing. If that is you this morning. I want you just to respond as well. But just, just raising your hand. Say Lord here I am. Lord I want to be used by you. I want to look up again. Show me Lord. Open my eyes to see. Lord I am willing. I'm willing. I'm willing to see what I do as a means to an end. And that end is not myself, it is you. It is your kingdom. It's your purpose. You can drop your hands. 
Lord, I want to thank you for each and every heart that is responding. Lord, I, I pray, Lord, for all of our hearts, Lord, that you will open our eyes, that we will see this world the way you see it. And Lord, I pray, Father, that you will knit our hearts to yours, to your desire, to your purpose. Lord, I pray for this town, Armanus. Lord, I pray, Lord, that we will see the lost saved. Lord, that we will see the lost turn to you. Lord, that you will use us as donkeys, as servants, as prophets, as priests, whichever way you choose to, Lord, to share your love and your gospel to this world that needs it so desperately. Lord, I want to pray for each and every person here, Lord. I want to, I want to beg you for laborers, Lord. I'm going to beg you for laborers, Lord. This town is ready for you. Lord, send us. Use us. I ask this, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to thank you for coming. Please continue to pray. If God has stirred something that you already know he's called you to, there's a list at the back. If God has called you here to stay, continue to ask the Lord to open your eyes to see and to partner with him to make disciples. Amen. Next year we'll tell you more about that. Thank you for coming. It's part of the process of following Jesus. It's step one. Now go out and as you are going, Make disciples. Amen. Amen. Bless you. Thank you. Fellowship with us. If you need of prayer. Thank you so much.